Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where we chat with startup founders just like you from all over the globe. Each episode, we bring you practical and actionable tips to help you escape the cubicle and begin your own startup journey. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Podbrand Media. As a business owner, new sales leads are essential. At Podbrand Media, we create a branded podcast for you to generate those leads by interviewing your best potential clients as subject matter experts. Not only creating great rapport, but also great content to share in your industry. Affordable and effective. Contact us today at podbrandmedia.com to learn more. This is Kevin Pro with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Steve Marcinic. Steve, thanks for joining us from Colombia in South America. Yeah, buen dia, mucho gusto, and my English is better. Uh, we'll probably <laughs> stick with that. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for making the time. Thanks for inviting me. It's been fun kind of trying to stalk you online, you know, before the interview. I mean, you're <laughs> you're a little elusive, you know, to, uh, but the thing that I'm, I'm really interested in is like, if you and I met at, a, say, a networking event, how would you introduce yourself to me? Yeah, sure. So I'm co-founder and general manager of Intelligent Relations. It's a company that uses AI to accelerate PR results. And yeah, I live in Medellin, Colombia. been here for seven years with my wife and my kid. And day to day, I'm in charge of mostly uh, product and marketing of things uh, over here at Intelligent Relations. So helping to build what we do and uh, put it out there into the world. I mean, there's there. So we, we've already come to a why in the road in, in just the very first intro. So, so many people that I talk to, you know, they're kind of they're running their company from virtually where they grew up or, you know, somewhere in the States that they went to university. They just met their co-partner, their co or their partner in the in the company and stayed there. But you've actually moved to another country to run a business. How did you choose Colombia? I ended up in Medellin, Colombia um, at the end of a, a six or seven year stint of being a, a digital nomad. So, you know, the question I ask my friends is, you know, what do you call a digital nomad who kind of stays put? I consider myself to be a digital transplant. So for, yeah, for about six years or so, I was running a, a travel company where we were running tours and all sorts of places, Thailand, Nicaragua, South Africa, Peru, Sri Lanka. And after visiting about 35 different places, I stumbled across Colombia, fell in love with the people. It was in the same time zone as the United States. So it was relatively easy for me to, to do work with US-based clientele and, you know, started to stay put. One thing led to another, met a wonderful woman. She's not my wife. We have a kid married into this big Colombian family. And so uh, I, I don't see myself leaving anytime soon. And I, you got the advantages of weather, cost of living. I mean, there there's so many different things that, that you could bring up about advantages, maybe even tax advantages and things like that, that, that uh, you benefit from being there. But it's yeah. interesting the you know, there's so, so there's pros and cons. What are some of the cons of, of actually trying to run a business outside the U.S.? Oh, for sure. So you touched on some of the pros. I'd say one other thing that's a, a, a pro for me when I when I got started before getting to the cons is that I was thinking of doing a career pivot out of what I was doing into mm -hmm. launching my next venture. And, you know, the idea of 
you know, having to cover, you know, rent and utilities and all the costs of just, you know, personal day-to-day expenses while being in the United States while I was bootstrapping something, that would cut your runway down quite a bit if you're, yeah. you know, if you're self-funding. And yeah. so for me to start and do some of the, you know, the slower part of, of getting a company set up before you get towards any kind of profitability in an environment where the cost was so much lower, that took a lot of the pressure off um, versus living in, you know, the U.S. cost environments. That uh, certainly, uh, that certainly helped. In terms of the cons, you know, I, I think pre-COVID, there was definitely a, a sense of you're aware now, like you are, you know, are you right down the street? I want to be able to meet up face to face, shake yeah. hands, et cetera. And so I was, when I was, you know, prior to intelligent relations, I was running a different marketing PR agency. I was flying up to the States every month, every other month to meet with clients, some of our higher value clients to meet up and do sales meetings, go to conferences, all of that. It, mm-hmm. it was part of the gig. These days, I think, you know, post COVID environment a more remote, friendly, flex work kind yeah. of uh, culture not getting the same kind of pushback. So yeah, I think that is less of an issue these days. I I even think that when you look at the kind of work from home environment, even in the States, I think there is, it's, it's kind of morphed us into more of an asynchronous, you know, mentality that says, you know, our days are even a little gray now, you know, I'm, I'm folding laundry while I'm doing a, a zoom call, you know, for work. And I'm, you know, I, the, my camera's off or my camera's on, but yet I'm still doing things on the side or I'm going to run an errand, but I may pop on at seven o'clock at night, you know, to, to do email or something like that. So I think that there's a, I think there's an understanding, a cultural understanding, a global, you know, understanding that we didn't have maybe even pro, pre-COVID. But uh, yeah. I love the, I love the idea of trying to, you know, create something, especially bootstrap, but Nobody just wakes up one day and says, you know, I want to do AI marketing here. So you kind of go go back as far as you want to go in the journey. You know, you can even go back to to pre like travel agency. How did you even get into that? Sure. Well, you know, my, my entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. My entrepreneurship journey started quite young. So I was the kid on the corner with the lemonade stand. And but then after that, when I was you know 12 years old, I actually started my first, you know, I'd considered to be real business. I was essentially a kid's entertainer. I was doing balloons and magic and juggling at wow. kids' birthday parties. Like right. I, I built a small in, yeah, north in uh, Northeast United States and Connecticut where I grew up. I, I started doing hundreds and hundreds of birthday parties and weddings and bar mitzvahs and, and all of that stuff. And for me, that's, you know, that's what really interested, got my interest in business started. For me, business always was entrepreneurship. And so when I ended up going to business school and I met all my friends who, you know, they're like, I want to be an accountant or I want to be in investment banking, iBanking. Like I didn't know what iBanking was before I went there. I, I just assumed it was like internet banking and didn't understand the appeal. But no, for me, it always was about entrepreneurship. So I, you know, thankfully I got a bit of a you know, fundamental education in, you know, core business practice, et cetera, mm-hmm. through, through, you know, university. But for me, it was always about like building, using yeah. a skill set of problem solving and learning the right tools for, for the job to build something worth building. And so, yeah, I touched on a couple of things I was doing before, but for me, intelligent relations, this is what it's the most exciting thing I've ever been a part of any I've ever done because about three years ago in, in 2020, my co-founder and I were, were just, we're hearing whispers of generative AI mm-hmm. coming up out of Silicon Valley. And it just seemed like this was a technology that was likely to 
have the potential to change everything. Right. And, you know, I don't want to sound overly dramatic, but you know, my world was public relations was marketing. And what does AI need to work is data. And in public relations, all the data is public. You know, mm-hmm. so if you're trying to, for example, pitch journalists on a story about your company, you want to know who's relevant. And so who's the journalist? How do you know if a journalist might be interested in your story? Well, you can analyze the stories they wrote before. You can analyze what kind of coverage they're doing. Are they doing announcements? Are they doing reviews? Are they doing that kind of thing? So basically, we saw that you know, generative AI had potential. The, in you know, my background, public relations, marketing, was an industry where this had really transformative potential. And so we really started to dive into this about three years ago and build our our platform from the ground up with the assumption that like the 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 algorithms, the 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 models we'd use would improve. So we kind of have like you know mm-hmm. insert great text gen model here using latest algorithms, et cetera. And we just, you know, built around that and thankfully as we were doing our foundation, like the technology, the core technology improved, you know, even faster than we were moving. And, and that that's really helped us to to see that come to fruition. It is it is such a unique environment that you're almost you're you're building it with flexibility, you know, built into it that says, you know what, it's going to be continuously improving itself. You know, so you have to it, it's like you're holding it loosely you know is the you know you, let's build the let's build the 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 ditches and that it's got to stay within and kind of let it grow within it, the the big petri dish that we're giving it you know so it is yeah. it's just an incredible environment it's a lot of building blocks you know mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of you know figuring out streamlined workflows and that's i think in the beginning People were thinking AI is going to automate everything. It's going to, you know, just replace humans in every every possible touch point. But what we're seeing is that the, the reality is that it's assisting people. Yeah. It's augmenting things. It's finding efficiencies like, like just about every other piece of technology that's come out. Is it's helping folks be more effective at their work if properly applied. So that was kind of you know where we our starting point was. We can use the AI in certain chunks of a traditional PR cycle to make it easier for the pros who are behind the scenes running it. Right. And it's, I mean, I, I don't know that I would be as gracious as you uh, about, you know, technology was designed to, you know, to increase efficiency. I, I don't think the Microsoft suite has done anything to increase efficiency. Fair. That's <laughs> fair enough. In general, yeah. you're right. So, in yeah. technology revolutions, in, in a sense, you know, exactly. truly transformative technology. I can't speak to the Microsoft suite per se, but yeah. And now here's a quick word from one of our new sponsors on Rising Tide Startups. Have you been wanting to start a podcast, but not sure where to start? Well, now you can start a podcast in less than 24 hours. I'm David Ezel, and I'll walk you through all of the things that you need to get started today. Things like how to choose the right microphone, how to edit your audio, and how to find guests and build a pipeline of future guests. This course does a great job of keeping things high level while also diving into the things that keep most people from starting. Even better, if you use the code RISING at checkout, you'll get 20% off your purchase. But that's only if you use the code RISING at checkout. What are you waiting for? Start your podcast today. So you have kind of built your future on this, this new 
you know, wave of, you know, AI that's coming, G chat GPT, fill in the blanks, everything else that's going to be, you know, the next iteration of whatever. But the idea that I think you touched on a second ago, is just really interesting to me. So there's so many people out there going, you're going to lose your jobs. You know, you're, this is going to replace you. This is going to get smart enough that it can virtually do everything you do, do it better, do it faster, do it more efficiently, more accurately. And, you know, you're going to be picking up trash on the street, you know, or, or something like that. But then you came out and wrote an article, you know, almost refuting that, you know, this, uh, there was a very interesting article I read this afternoon. It's interesting that you're, you are, you are very fair when you look at your own company and your own industry, you know, the way you described, you know, that. So just unpack that a little bit of how you're wrestling through, you know, with, with, you know, intelligent relations and how you're, you're wrestling through the, the pros and the cons of this new, you know, wave of technology. Yeah, for sure. So we're entering into a brave new world of uh, where artificial intelligence. Well, all, Aldous Huxley, 100%. <laughs> yeah, it's we're entering into a world where, in my opinion, AI will be baked into just about every tool you use and perhaps just about every piece of content that people consume. And that's the jumping off point for me, whether it's mm -hmm. Google helping to automatically suggest the next word in your email. I hope you're having a great, and it auto suggests day, or if it's using AI text generation to write drafts of articles that are, or even just published without having any kind of human input there, mm -hmm. that like AI is going to be involved in just about everything. And even in the software that we have, I'm sure you're, you know, you, your listeners, viewers have also gotten all these emails from every product they've ever used. Be like, great news. We have an AI widget that's going to help you do something that may or may not add value to your experience, but it, it's going to step in kind of like customer service. Like you wouldn't build software without customer service, customer success. You're not going to build any kind of software without artificial intelligence. So it, I think the, the jumping off point for me is that it's here. It's going to be incorporated in everything. That's, that's the reality. And what's really still being written is the culture of AI. What is it that we as consumers, as users, trust AI to do or don't want AI to do. And I think that that's where we're still figuring out. Transparency is coming. Like there's now all these AI content detectors and they're working, you know, yeah. more or less, but we're, you know, AI is going to be everywhere. People are going to be aware of AI being everywhere. And now it's a matter of like, okay, where do we, as we come to terms with this technology, where do we want to draw the line? Do we want it, you know, helping autocomplete emails? Maybe that's okay. Mm -hmm. Do we want it writing our legislation, like being involved in, like there's certain use cases, making medical decisions. I mean, I, surgery I, manual. <laughs> you know, hiring decisions, AI has bias. There's any, there's any number of cases where you could be like, you know, because the technology is, is at the level it's at, we don't feel comfortable with AI being left unleashed, unchaperoned in these kinds of environments. And so that's, from my perspective, it's, you know, every company has to kind of draw their own conclusions around every company, every industry, every consumer has to be like, this is okay, this isn't okay. And I think that's probably going to hash out in the next couple of years where some norms arise. And yeah. you know, I have some thoughts on it, but, you know, I think that's a much larger conversation that we're, we're having as a, as a society. That's the next article you're, you're going to write is the, is, you know, you're going to unpack some of your thoughts on that. But I, it is interesting. I, I mean, 
first hands, like, like firsthand, we, you know, we've used it sometimes to like try to pre-create show notes, you know, based on bios and LinkedIn profiles and things like that. And you mentioned something in an article about the fact that they can be absolutely grammatically accurate, but make no sense whatsoever. And I think that, you know, that you use the dogs throwing Frisbees, you know, to each other type thing. And I, mm -hmm. that is exactly true. And I think the the best AI checkers out there are intelligent human beings that 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 are first you know language speakers that are reading mm -hmm. that going, yeah the words are all right but it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. And so when you know there's there's everything in the, the generative AI is essentially probabilistic predicting. You know, like you know I hope you're having a great day mm -hmm. it's essentially recommending the tokens that are most likely the right. series of words they're likely to follow the next thing and you when you're playing around with these things you can set it to be like you know what go crazy like start to go less and less probable and you can start to read a paragraph that's being written and then it slowly you feel like you're losing your mind because it slowly goes off the rails into <laughs> like that's not even a word but it follows like if you were to squint your eyes you're like yeah that looks somewhat coherent so you're right. So I'll take my industry as an example in public relations. It's an industry where you definitely want to have, to have professionals in the loop yeah. and not just put out content unchecked. News is sensitive. I mean, I think one of the metrics that we use is, you know, what is the, you know, what is the factual importance and the potential reach of this piece of content? So for your show notes, for example, mostly internal use, mostly or so if it's if it's in prepping you know prepping you know pre pre-interview questions mm -hmm, for example right you know it might just be your internal use mm -hmm. and it's you know the the accuracy is you know it doesn't have to be 100 percent factually sure, accurate good enough but yeah. if you're if you're doing a press release mm -hmm. that's factual accuracy matters and the reach you know hopefully is is quite broad so for those things you gotta have higher levels of human scrutiny and yeah. and you know, the question of accountability also comes up. And, you know, in our organization, we believe that the person who stamps, you know, stamp puts their stamp of approval on a piece of content, they're responsible for that mm -hmm. content, whether they wrote it, whether their assistant wrote it, or whether right. they used AI to write it. If you're putting this out there into the world as something you're putting your name on, you're mm -hmm. putting, you know, you're, you're claiming as, you know, meets your standard, that's where the accountability comes in. We think we need accountability. In yeah. the environment we're using AI text, I, especially in, as, as you mentioned, kind of in the press arena. And, you know, if your byline's there, it's that absolutely you bear the responsibility of, of whatever the publication is. But I'm curious about, you know, so Intelligent Relations was started two, three years ago? Three years ago. Yeah. Just just before the pandemic hit. Yeah. So, but but it was good to be out of the travel industry when when COVID hit. So I think you know you. I was a few years out at that, that point. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Tell me what's been the what's been the the journey since you launched this, and what do you see coming up in the near future? You know, next 18, 36 months. Yeah, absolutely. So we always knew that the company would operate on two pillars: the technology and the people. So we. We started with actually started on on both. So we were, as we were building the technology, we were 
providing PR services, leveraging our, our talented human team, mostly for U.S. tech startups and some in Europe and Israel and, and, and like that. Um, so we were using that to kind of cash flow the development of our technology and kind of develop the two uh, hand in hand. So I think that the technology that we've, we've built over the last three years, we're, you know, we call it Preston, you know, press PR. I like, you know, Presto as well, but my <laughs> co-founders don't, don't like that. I think that's too cute. Anyway, so the the technology is is uh continued to evolve to the point where it can identify trending story opportunities it can help to draft pitches it can help to identify you know which journalists are the most likely to be relevant for a given story and so it can help to accelerate a workflow for for one of our our teammates so that they can move through the process of ideation drafting pitches building lists reviewing and then sending out story ideas to journalists which is you know how you win press coverage it's helped to accelerate that a fair amount. I think, you know, one of the things that was a, a challenge that we navigated was that we always had a question of what is that balance? How do we package the technology and the folks? For a while, our main, you know, our one of our theses that we were testing is this could be rolled out as a do-it-yourself platform where people could you know, use the platform to essentially manage their own PR, kind of like use, you know, Squarespace to make your own website right. or Canva to, you know, make your own graphic designs. And it's decent, but the feedback we are getting from our best customers is this is great. It does take some work. Like, can you just have your folks do it for us? Mm -hmm. So that's really, you know, in terms of where we're going, that's been our focus in the last few months. And that's where we're really going to continue to accelerate is on this managed service where you get the technology, you get a fractional teammate who's running it for you, and we're able to, you know, come to market with a managed service that's a lot lower cost than, you know, a traditional agency, um, which makes it, you know, do feasible for a seed funded startup, a series A like that. So that's really our main focus now is keep building the tech, work on building out this managed service offering. So it's offering, you know, great value for our clients mm -hmm. and just keep updating the technology with the, you know, the latest models. As you mentioned, like it's moving so quickly. There's yeah. so many opportunities and our biggest question is like, what do we say no to? Because mm -hmm. there's so many things I'd love to incorporate, but we just, we have to stay focused. I, would you say you're more PR heavy or marketing services heavy right now for, as a company? Yeah. yeah so uh, we're, mostly focused, almost entirely focused on the public relations space. Mm -hmm. That's what the platform is really designed to do. It's helped to uh, identify journalists who are likely to write about a company, company's industry, and help to make those connections between those, you know, between the company and the journalists who are interested in that in that industry. And you know, it can fit usually our contacts on the client side or the marketing mm -hmm. managers, VPs of marketing, but this is yeah, this is a straight PR play for early stage startups. So do most people like in in my layman's mind, I would think marketing's an easy, easy sell. I mean, I, everybody understands what how that fits in the, you know, this greater scheme of things. PR is almost like I need PR when I've done something stupid. And I need somebody to give me out. Of it. You know, that's that's what comes to my mind immediately. You know, it's yeah. not like you know, product launch or, you know, yep. seed round or whatever that that type, you know, that is. So educate our listeners a little bit more on just the concept around PR. Just just briefly. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, people come to us for for PR for a number of reasons. It's to increase the profile of their company, to get on lists of of reviews, to executive thought leadership around the problem. It's essentially, you know, marketing generally is like messaging that you control. 
PR is, you know, our, our focus is earned media, getting other people to help to tell your story yeah. for you. Sometimes it's around a specific piece of company news, like we have a new product, et cetera. But more often, you know, the reality is the journalists don't really care about your company. Mm -hmm. That's the secret. That's the dirty secret of PR is that everyone thinks like, you know, looks at PR like marketing where it's like, hey, promote this for me. They care about the narrative. They care about the story. If you're a privacy company, how do you fit into broader trends around cybersecurity? Right. If you're a marketing expert, how do you fit into the stories around, you know, artificial intelligence, the industry, et cetera? So this is about helping to position to position companies into those larger conversations, get other people writing about these companies in the context of these larger conversations. And you know, you get other people telling your story, you get SEO quality backlinks is something that people are looking for a lot of the time. And yeah, of course, when you have an announcement to promote, you can uh, so, you know do some cycles around that as well. If you had to describe the biggest benefit of AI in one sentence, how would you describe that? Yeah, uh, accelerating human potential. To me, that's it. the real use case we're seeing in artificial intelligence right now is helping people do things at a faster speed and often at a larger scale. And I think that transcends generative AI and also a lot of the other kinds of AI that are out there. I, I love that description. And as quickly as you answered that, that's not something you just pulled on the fly. That's something you've kind of wrestled through, I think, that to kind of come to that conclusion. Well, I think for a while, when we started this out, we were imagining that the conversation would be, would be a lot more about automation mm -hmm. and replacing. I think that's where early indications were. I don't know if you remember, but the early ads for Siri had I think is there's is a guy or a gal running on the beach talking to their phone and they're like Siri recommend some restaurants mm -hmm. that can have this kind of food and make a reservation for here and coordinate this and get my wife to do something to to meet me at the place and now it's much more limited the expectations of what we look to it like what we what we expect from the technology to, uh, what we expect to be capable of it's more realistic yeah. and I think that that's what we're seeing with AI as well is like it's super powerful. But within, if it stays in its lane, and those lanes are broadening for sure, but it's, I, I think that it's important to focus on the human potential here rather than the replacement story. I don't think that's the narrative we're, we're seeing. I, I mean, I, I love the idea of kind of matching our, our expectations with figuring out how it can best help those, you know, revised expectations, you know, how, how can it best serve, you know, in the way that, that it actually can serve, but do it very effectively and very efficiently. You know, I, I don't need somebody to call my wife and say, meet me at a restaurant, but I do need, if I've got writer's block, I do need to have some prompts. I do need to have some, you know, some content ideas. I do need it to do some basic research for me that I can, you know, go back and verify later, you know, to make sure it's accurate. But it is, yeah. it's all about balance. You know, the the idea that there is, this is a new toy. It's a new motorcycle. <laughs> you know, it'll run really fast, but I've got to learn how to ride it before I just jump on it, so to speak. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, and I think we're seeing a lot of very valid use cases and some that are a little bit more far-fetched and that's, well, that, that's how entrepreneurship works is you build something and you try to market and ideally you find some product market fit and you get some traction, you're able to ramp up. Um, but not every company has that. We're, we're, you know, we had to try a couple of different iterations of how we positioned the power of what we're building. And, you know, right now it, it, does you know, we're happy to say that this managed service is the way that our market is responding well to you know how we deliver the technology mm-hmm. and that that's great but yeah not every yeah not every AI company is is seeing you know the the payoff for what they're trying to build yeah and uh, I mean, there there will be people that will fall by the wayside you know in the in yeah. the they'll, they'll get caught in the in the flywheel of of uh, progress and and you know what we think today is probably not going to be the true six months from now. But uh, if you do mm-hmm. hold these things loosely, I think you can you know kind of adapt and adjust. But you mentioned something yeah. just a second ago about you know that's just the way entrepreneurs are. That's, just, that's what an entrepreneur does. I want to drill down into you a little bit, right? As we're you know kind of coming to the end of our chat here, but uh, there there are two areas that I really want to kind of drill down on. Number one is I, I have this theory about entrepreneurial DNA, you know, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Do you think that um, entrepreneurs have a basic genetic disposition to creating and starting things? Or do you think that this is, you know, that a lot of entrepreneurs are just out of necessity? You know, they're like, well, I just somehow I was in the right place. There was an idea. I didn't really come up with anything. I just kind of took advantage of the business opportunity that's out there. Where do, where do most people yeah. fall? You know, it's what I can say is that, you know, there may or may not be a, a, a gene for entrepreneurship per se as such, but I can say all the entrepreneurs that I know, they share a gene for drive, mm. like this motivation to get up, to go, yeah. to overcome challenges and to keep moving. And I think there's a book, I, I think it's called Driven, which actually goes into the genetic code of certain driven types of personalities. I couldn't cite what genetic traits they are, what genes they are, but it does seem that like that that personality type that just wants to keep moving, exploring, pushing boundaries, that is something I think is very genetic. And I think that can play out in a number of different fields. Some people might be athletes or might be, you know, Navy SEALs and some might be, you know, entrepreneurs. It might be more of like, you know, what's, what are your other interests and things? But I think the drive gene is, is what I've seen to be the key differentiator. And then personality and circumstance may or you know, may point you in the direction of entrepreneur as an outlet for that. But some of the best entrepreneurs I know I've talked to, like some of my mentors, they're like, they're like, I don't know how to turn this off. Mm-hmm. I don't have the off switch. And <laughs> I drive my wife crazy with that as well, because it's just, you know, many of the entrepreneurs I know, it's like, it's two o'clock in the morning, you have an idea for a business and you go on GoDaddy and you buy the domain just in case, you know, like before someone it's available, I want to snatch that before I someone else does. It's like, domains in, yeah. in my one, in my Google Drive folder that I've yeah, used. Like, See, I, that's why I think that it is a, yeah. a genetic, because I think there are entrepreneurs and there are business owners. You know, are there business that's fair. people that are just running businesses? And I think that, yeah. you know, you talked about, well, you know what? I was selling candy. I was selling lemonade. I was doing this. You probably also were taking things apart. 
you know, when you were younger, they yeah. said, I got to take the mower apart, see how that works. My mom's clock, that's not working, you know. Oh, yeah. It's just, I, I got to create stuff. I got to draw on something, you know. Uh, oh, for sure. Legos, uh, Legos connects something. the computer, like the incredible machine. I was the kid who, when I figured out that those, you know, like the TI-83 graphing calculators we used in school, when I realized <laughs> you could program those, I was like, this is incredible. I was building like little slot machines in the calculator and playing text-based games and class just because like that was a heck of a lot more interesting than no, whatever absolutely. the teacher was talking no about so, yeah I, I i i tend to agree the drive thing to me is more concrete but i i, I do think you're probably right that it's it goes deeper than that there, there's something there for sure but i um i'm curious you know you've run some companies before you've had teams that you've led what are one or two just really concrete things that you think would help somebody just, you know, further behind you on the path that, you know, things you've learned as you've led teams, as you've led companies that's, that are kind of universal that just say, hey, I wish I would have known this, these two things, you know, when I. Yeah. Started. So a, a couple of things jump out at me. One is it's an old concept, but for me, I, I put it as ideas are cheap. Execution is everything. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of folks who are not yet ready to be entrepreneurs or are, you know, more young in their journeys, they think I have a million dollar idea. And, you know, from investors to folks who've walked the path, you'll look at that and say, that's nice. What's your plan to bring this to fruition? And not only your plan A, but your plan B when that doesn't work out and your plan C. And I think that having, you know, that's like the second tip for me that really kicked it off was that planning A to Z. It's not that my plan has to work and then if it doesn't work, well, I guess the business didn't work out. What do you, you the plan is to go A to B to C to D, and that's how you build the resilience. And you just kind of show up and you keep trying the thing, well-constructed tests, collecting the data, collecting the feedback, and then pivoting intelligently and not taking that as a failure, but just, okay, I'm doing the thing of working my plan. Right. And after Z comes AA and AB and so on and so forth. So for me, that's that's it. Just finding this, what are the systems you need to put in place that you just keep going, don't give up, make the intelligent pivots as needed. That's a lot more valuable than the idea because if you're smart, your ideas will evolve as the company does. See, I'm telling you, those genetic disposition entrepreneurs, they use the word pivot instead of failure, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. or instead of mistake. So we are pivot. We're going to fail forward. You know, if we, yeah. if we fail, we're yeah. failing, but we're going to learn and we're moving on. We joke about it, but man, that is such a, a crucial character trait to have, you know, as mm -hmm. somebody that's trying to build something. And I just, I applaud what you've built. I applaud the way you're looking at this new, you know, kind of unleashed technology you know, before you, but what's, what's just one thing you'd just like to wrap us up with today you think would be helpful to our audience? Maybe I haven't touched on, but uh, just really quickly, just wrap us up with something and then, then tell us where the best place to learn more about intelligent relations. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we covered it. The only last thing I, I might suggest is that we talked about hard work and I, for me, the other thing is just preparedness. And I, I, the thing I've learned most recently is that I may not be the smartest person in any room I'm in. And frankly, if I'm hiring right, I really shouldn't be the smartest person in most yeah. meetings I'm in, but I can be the most prepared. And for me, that taking that seriously 
showing my team the respect of preparing for the meetings I'm going into, mm -hmm. knowing my outcomes, knowing what we're going to be talking about, that's really helped me to, to step up in terms of performance and leadership in my company. And I think that's just whether it's regardless of whether it's a marketing initiative, a sales initiative, or just, you know, brainstorming, I, I think that's, uh, I might add as the last takeaway. And yeah, it's, a, it's a, been a pleasure to connect with you, with your audience. Uh, if people want to look into what we do, intelligentrelations.com, everything we're doing is there. I personally have a, most of my identity is wrapped up in intelligent relations these days. So yep. if you want to reach out to me, that's probably the best place to do it. Man, that is that is great. I appreciate that. And we'll make sure those are in the, the show notes. Just thanks again for just taking time today. I love the reality of the backdrop. I, I encourage people to watch this on YouTube because it's just been person after person walking behind in this in this uh, office space, you know, and there's a it's a bevy of activity, but the, there's a reality to that too that just says, you know, hey, this is who I am, this is who what we do. Thank you for just playing your part and just helping all boats rise in a rising tide. So you have a great week. Thank you very much to you as well. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Make sure you follow up with our guests today and show them the support they deserve. As always, thank you for listening and playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide.